The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. I'm changing into our 2017, the Northern White Crop Theory. How can you listen to idiots like him that's just been on? Tonight's song is... Tight, faded, male ass, decadence and anarchy. He said, he smiled. Something to dance to, a certain style. Uh, all right, so that's the spirit of a podcast. It's just, it's I know. Somebody on Twitter was like, I don't listen to podcasts because I did cocaine and I've already heard two people argue and talk over each other about something that only they care about. I thought that was a pretty good podcast. That's pretty good. Yep. Anyway. I would listen to that podcast. <laughs> probably Wait, not I'm on a, that podcast. Probably, probably not a party. <laughs> not in a party setting. But, no, you know. no. Um, all right, so Smile. Smile. Uh, released December 12th, 1983 on Perverted by Language. Um, forgive me if that's not true, and it was released before, but that's what I tracked down, so whatever. Um, I'm going to back you up on that. Yeah, so from Mark, uh, the song's about the hypocritical type uh, that says he wants anarchy, but are in fact very bourgeois. Um, and so, you know, that kind of makes sense. I'd uh, say so. Yeah. Um, I truly, like, I mean, first off, this is another great song in which uh, S- Smith works into the lyrics, uh, at least on the recording, um, the uh, instructions to the band. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, which, which is great. Um, there was, oh, the, I think also... The uh, riff sounds really metal to me, for some reason. Oh, like, totally. If it was, if it didn't have two drummers and it was played a little differently, it would have been like a, a new wave of British heavy metal song. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Early Marillion. Yeah, I, I kind of, I don't know. I, I like that aspect of it. Like it's pretty funny. Um, because I'm sure. I'm not sure, but you know, it seems like the kind of thing where Mark, even though he loved early stuff like that, was probably making fun of metal kids in some. Sort oh of sure, way. <laughs> that would track. I think I think that tracks with, you know, I love the songs like this where he goes into that squeaky, like kind of falsetto thing where right, he like right. just you know jumps an octave with his voice if that's what it, if I'm using that term correctly. I think so, yeah. Uh, I love when he does that in the early stuff. Yeah. Uh, I love when he messes with his voice, even towards the later stuff when he was sounding like he was choking on his own bile. Um, she may have been. She may have been. <laughs> yeah, I love I love listening to him, you know, go all squeaky like that. No, and so I mean, that, that could be a that could be a, a you know a metal, a little nod to like the the Iron Maiden. It could be Rob Halford's. It could be. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Um. Thanks. No, what, what what else am I getting at here? I don't know. Oh, uh, and you're welcome. Uh, oh, something that just popped up. I mean, it probably has nothing to do with anything, but Go there's on. a line that's like something to dance to, but 
it reminded me of the Killing Joke playing music to dance to. For yeah, war dance. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I was. It was just like that. Seems kind of. He even says it like, yes, a little bit. Yeah, so I was just like, mm, that seems like a plug at somebody. That's a good <laughs> or something. Poking a little bit of the dance club culture of Manchester and England, you know. Yeah. So. Um, like New Order. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were making dance music at that time. Yeah, exactly. When was this? 83? So, yeah, this would have been also... Wasn't this also around the time when Yaz and the other one went off to go uh, not die in a nuclear war? Like, they went to, like, Greenland or something to go hide out from... Oh, right, war. right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might have been after that. But that's that's all conjecture. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um... Um, oh, uh, somebody brought this up, and I thought it was interesting as well, that uh, uh, on the annotated fall, Factory Bozo is his name, uh, he thought it was about the Sex Pistols tour through the U.S., which I thought was an interesting idea. Oh, that is an interesting idea, because um, there's the reference to Texas and yeah. GBH, which, you know, yeah, uh, they were a punk band. Yeah, and Grievous Bodily Harm, which... Uh, is what it stands for yeah besides but also like just all the violence that followed the sex pistols yeah exactly and also looking nice and tight pants like the first line <laughs> lousy celebrity makes record that just you know <laughs> yeah. if there's anything you want if there's any if there's any worse or meaner comment about john lyden i i couldn't think of it right there but <laughs> although it strangely makes sense because uh, he is a lousy celebrity now. He's a pretty shit celebrity. Um, I mean, R.I.P. to his to his missus, but yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, there's lots of that going on. Uh, Paul Hanley in one of his books um, says that the uh, would ask for a fag in Texas and the tight faded male arse are about Carl Burns. <laughs> And the word it would be the cigarette right. version, sorry. Not so, the derogatory term. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not trying to get canceled for, by our three listeners or anything. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> and, and they're all guys. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Whoops. I just ticked the microphone. Shit. Um, anyway, there we go. Uh, so... That's basically all I had. Well, I, you know, I, I, uh, I love this era of the fall, the two drummer, yeah, definitely. crazy era of this of the band, um, and so I love the music for this song. And like I said, you know that yeah, when, when Mark's getting all squirrely with his vocals, that's always a fun thing to listen to for me. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I think I agree with that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, but I want to get your thoughts on the whole take the chicken run line in here oh yeah because uh you know the annotated fall has a lot to say about take the chicken run to the toilet yeah so what 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 do you what do you make that to be so it was the chicken run would be the walk to the toilet right is that that or would think or is it the well that's what i think that's what it says yeah but that's what or take the chick and run oh yeah there's another thing i think that got brought up and i always thought it was probably something like that but I've never, that was never a line that I focused on. No, I just, it stuck out to me just because I, I always equated it to 
uh, something close to like the chicken hawk thing. Of like trying to, you know, lure some, you know, some young, some young boy to the toilet. Oh, you know what I mean. And maybe that's just, you know, that's just maybe that's just the way my brain works. I don't know. (laughs) Bob, is there something we can talk about this off off the air? (laughs) My my issues with words. (laughs) No, I think that's a that's great actually. Like the chicken hawk thing. That's pretty. uh, I didn't even think about that, and now. Like some of the, uh, especially the first line makes a lot of sense, right? So maybe that is and and the like line about the related. asking for something in Texas, right? You know, yeah, yeah, tying that into it too. Yeah, because I would imagine they figured out that that wasn't the word for a cigarette by the time they hit America, at least. I would, you would think. Before. You would think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good call, Bob. Hey, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for these good <laughs> that's calls. That's why I pay you. <laughs> in the ab- what? Am I supposed to be getting paid for this? Whoops. Oh no! <laughs> in the above, designed from above, club makes ginger. What is it? What, it, what makes ginger? Well, they say in the annotated fall, it's like it's maybe it's him having sex with someone with red hair, but that I don't know. Does, that, that or if he's like standing on a balcony in some club and. Sees a ginger. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Like it could be make. I mean, make. I don't know. It was pretty close to the seventies where making it was used, and I just did air quotes. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> fucking making it is such a horrible. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> There's out of many horrible uh, euphemisms for sex. That one's pretty bad. Makes ginger. I did, yeah, that one just that one. I I. I can't wrap my head around because i mean or there is uh wasn't wasn't that in annotated fall about it meaning piss no no i think it's a no, i think it's a different line oh okay because i don't know whatever i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> second guess uh slang and <laughs> Britain. mancunian sna- slang especially through the mind of marky e. smith yeah <laughs> yeah exactly Holy Waiting shit, for the next holiday by Gas Miser. That, what? Whatever, Mark. What are you talking about? Um. So I'm also, you know, Dan thinks the most likely reference to the to the Nero, like well fed <laughs> in the Roman Nero way, like the way you imagine <laughs> in the Roman Nero films, being Peter Ustinov as Nero and Quo Vadis. I know. Which like, kind of makes sense. Kind of. Yeah, Quobatus would have been like it was released around that time or something, wasn't it? And uh, it was earlier than that. It must oh, have been. Oh, it, it might was have 51. been. Fifty-one. Oh, was it? Yeah, I thought it was later in the seventies. Maybe you're thinking of I Claudius. I don't know. Oh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> probably him. I haven't seen either one. Nor but, have I. But I know that they used to run that shit on PBS yes, all the time. All the time. I would avoid that like the plague. Yeah. I would avoid that like listening to the Wichita line. <laughs> That's a callback to a joke you guys don't even. Yeah, know. we weren't even on. We weren't even listening. We weren't even recording when we were making that joke. But anyway. again, I, you know, again, that's why I'm thinking there's, you know, there might be some like weird sort of, I don't want to say homophobic underpinnings to this song, but I think that's a theme kind of running through this song with like the the you know, oh, think about Spartacus and Caligula and those films, and you know, there was a lot of underpinnings of underpinnings of you know. Homosexual action happening in those films. Cultures. Ancient cultures. Ancient so. cultures. Not Romans and Greeks. 
but Romans and Greeks of the ancient culture. There Sorry you go. There you go. No, Man, no, no. I am causing problems for us all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> this might be our last episode, folks. <laughs> well, so um, since we're talking about this era of the fall, like the mm. double drummer era of the fall and the Hanley brothers, and you mentioned, you mentioned it was Paul Hanley that wrote the book? Or is it yeah, Steve? yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's from one of Paul Hanley. Yeah, so this actually opens the door as a segue to to ask if you have heard the new project, no House of All. And I was going to bring that up actually today because I know it came out, but I've been too busy doing listened, other stuff. Yeah, I've listened to a bit of it. It's, it's interesting. On my list. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. I, I like that this is another two drummer lineups. It's got Simon Wollstonecroft and yeah, and. Paul, was Steve was the drummer or Paul was the drummer? Paul was the drummer. Paul was the drummer, right. Steve is in that. Yeah, Steve's in that as well. And then uh, Martin Brahma's leading it. Yeah. And then the guitar player is uh, the guy who played in the fall last. Yeah. um, Whose name has escaped me at the moment. I was going to say the latter fall. But um, uh, but I think he had... Peter Greenway. Yeah, that's right. Um, But I don't... I thought I read somewhere that he was not going to be able to tour with them for some reason. Oh, I didn't hear that part. I don't know. I only, I only like heard, read the, read the, the, the sort of origin story of the band a little bit, and it was like Brahma returning to the UK and reaching out to Mark Riley, saying like, "Let's make music again." And he says, "I'm not making music anymore. Right. I'm, I'm a DJ man." Yeah, yeah. And then he reached out to Craig Scanlon, and Scanlon <laughs> turned him down. But then like the Hanley brothers were like, "Oh yeah, let's make some music together." Well, that's, and so that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I hadn't heard that part of it. Yeah. Um, I know that it got released. This yeah. Last week, something like that. On so. the 22nd of April. So right. pretty recently. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, it's definitely on my list. Have you listened to it? I've listened to some of it. Yeah, it's good. It's a little. It's like I think Peter Greenway's influence is pretty prominent in that. So it's got that a little more of that sort of uh, pubby vibe to it that, uh-huh. that he brought to the the yeah. latter era of the fall. But I I enjoy it. Like Brahma's a, a pretty good frontman for this type of music. Yeah. Well. He, yeah, he did that for a long time. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I'm in, yeah, I'm into. But that's on my list of things to do after we, you know, this week. All right. Once things calm down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I'll let you know. Sorry, everybody. I let everybody <laughs> down. Our next episode, we can get into a full review of the House of All album. Yeah. Or try. Or try. We'll yeah. do our best. Um, but no, I, I am, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I was interested in Grandma and the, the Hanley brothers because, I don't know, they're just like, that's two of my, three of my favorite groupings, I guess. Sure. Like, or people that were in the group. Um, especially the Hanley brothers, especially yeah. Paul. Like, he seemed like he was really, I don't know if influential is the way, but just having a second drummer in the group is influential in some way, in most ways, I would say. I think so because they went because they used it in such a more fascinating way than I think other double drummer yeah. bands have done. I would say that is true. Like yeah. I'm always a little disappointed when I see a double drummer and basically they're playing the same drum yeah, beat, and I'm I, always like, "What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. How would you do that to yourself?" When I've um, seen, yeah, unfortunately, the 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 multiple times that I've seen the Doobie Brothers, that's definitely the case. This is the this is the life that I lead, Hiram, where I work and mm-hmm, end up mm-hmm. seeing the Doobie Brothers multiple times. I've never seen the Doobie Brothers. You're not missing anything. But I've been to Oklahoma. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, You're not missing anything, uh, as, as I'm sure that was not a surprise. 
So I have, I'm not I, that surprised. No. Did you what skunk Baxter at least? Really? No, no. It's like Tom Johnston and and uh, oh, I forget yeah. the other long haired dude that's in the band. <laughs> So yeah. like they're like the two two of the originalish members, and then it's all a bunch of other ringers, you know. Yeah, well, that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of rock were, and roll right? nowadays. Yeah, it's kind and of what true. the Doobies were like most of the time. It always seemed that way to me. I I don't know much about the Doobie Brothers, I have to say, but every time I looked at them, it was always like yeah, or I'd look at pictures of them and be like, oh, that guy's yeah, <laughs> like yeah, whatever. It just he just seemed like a bunch of studio musicians with like a Steely Dan setup, basically. right? And I, I, yeah, <laughs> Steely Dan, I can't, can't abide, but whatever. I understand. I understand. Uh, so yeah, that's probably. You just lost mind. at least one of our three fans. Then, that. That's I've, fine. I've never been into the Doobie Brothers. The Doobs. The Doobs. You know, I had, I had my time when I was like seventeen or something like that. When I was like really getting like into the seventies music and like right. digging in, and it's like, oh yeah, Michael McDonald and stuff is pretty cool, but. I've kind of grew out of that, thankfully. You know, uh, I really like Michael McDonald's voice, but mainly just imitating it. Yes, <laughs> as I'm sure everybody most people, does. Yeah. I, ho- I hope people listening to the podcast are doing that right now in their cars <laughs> or on their jogs. Or I hope you're in a gym, like on a on an elliptical machine, doing a loudly doing a loud Michael McDonald impersonation and frightening <laughs> right. the people behind the counter. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, double drummers. I did see the Grateful Dead once, but never did. That was whatever. Um. Even they sometimes do the same, like like yeah. From what I remember of the times I've listened to live dead stuff, it's like yeah, yeah. Anyway, so double drummers always been a thing I would love to do. Or yeah, have in a band, but not because you know, not the James Brown method where you just tire one out, the other one gets on. The there you go, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. So I've seen Hot Snakes. They've done that. The times I've seen Hot Snakes where they bring both drummers along and they just swap the du- the dudes out midway through the set. Lame. Yeah, you know who you know who does the ju- the double drummer thing really well is the OCs. Oh yeah, yeah. they're they're the sort of like last like most recent iteration of the band that's been going for probably like you know seven eight years or something like that. It's two drummers and that they they really nail it. But that makes sense to me because. Uh, I know John Dwyer is a big Fall fan because oh, he released uh, that live record that came out I think last year the year before his been, his label Castleface. I tried to follow them once and just got lost in the twenty thousand records that got released in the two months. I yeah, do it. And yeah, so, which is not a problem. No, no, do it. I just yeah, I, it's it's <laughs> the funny thing about prolific bands like that. It's like it's like I can't bring myself to give myself more fully into the world of say like a King Gizzard. Because those guys are releasing like four records a year. Yeah, no, and that's my problem too. And like the thing about the fall is they have tons of records, but half of them, but they were around for so long. Like exactly, they weren't. I mean, sometimes they were releasing two a year or whatever. But yeah, not all. They, yeah, they weren't releasing ten a year. No, and like 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 all good English bands of the year, that most of the things they were releasing were just singles. Yeah. So it's not like you have like full album, mm-hmm. like four full albums every year to contend with, and then like yeah. a ton of live right. stuff on Bandcamp yeah. or whatever to try to sort through. Yeah. Sorry. Does, Sorry, bands. So that no, I, I you know I I I feel like it's something that, that I don't know. I feel like it's something Marky Smith would probably get into, like releasing a lot of stuff on Bandcamp just because he could, <laughs> he could. Yeah. Exactly. And it might give him some more money for cigarettes and ale i definitely think that's the case 
I, I think <laughs> I think if he would have been around a little bit longer, he, we would have even more live albums from whatever. Yes. Oh my God! Real, even more poorly recorded live albums. Like, oh, <laughs> this guy recorded this on his, uh, you know, his old Nokia phone. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Uh, here's another question. Kids uh, love that. Kids shit. love that shit. Here's another another, another uh, subject to uh-huh. discuss, and I, we might have gotten into this before. So I think we've talked about some songs from Slates before. Mm-hmm. So um, the best show recently, the other podcast that I love besides ours. Um, <laughs> so they had eyelids on the show. Yes, the they former yes. guests of uh, this podcast. Here we had uh, Chris and uh, Victor from Eyelids on here, but they also had Peter Buck with them playing in studio. Yep. And so they got into the discussion slash argument about whether Slates is an EP or an album. Right. I think and we I might have. I think we might have gotten into this with those guys too. I remember us mentioning it. Yeah. We might have talked about it with them. Yeah. Uh, but I remember you mentioned it because somebody yelled at you that it was an LP. Yeah, it's our good friend Ryan. Yeah. Oh, Ryan. Oh, that's right. Because when I wrote the ranking thing, yeah. like, they were pissed that I didn't include that. I was like, well, I don't think of it as an album because it's right. a 10-inch record. Right, right. I mean, look, people, if we're just going to decide <laughs> what is not have any rules. This is, this is some arbitrary thing. <laughs> as many people do, like beat happening didn't be happening release a quote lp that was like 20 minutes long like yeah the first one was like really yeah short. but i mean the, you know the uh <laughs> the beatles records were all like 23 minutes long or something yeah like that. exactly but, but those were on 12 inch vinyl for god's yeah. sake like if we've got to stick to the to the rules here as i'm putting in air quotes <laughs> myself yeah i got into arguments about that one and then like someone tried to claim that like i think the second that they referred to one of the Tribe Called Quest albums as an EP because it was so short. And I'm like, because it was only 43 minutes rather than like 75 or something like that? That doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. Yeah, that was, that's weird. Yeah. I was like, I don't think anyone has ever said that. And he kept saying, no, no, that's the way we used to talk about it. And I tried to like engage people on Twitter. Like, is this true? And then he thought I was like calling him out or something like that. And I was like, no, I'm just like, this is a question I really want an answer to. Like, this doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to me. I have never heard anyone call it anything by Track Called Quest an EP. Yeah, that's not an EP. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but that's what I mean to the Slates thing. Like, I, I kind of, I kind of get people's argument that it, it feels like an album, but it, you know, it can also just feel like an EP. There's a lot of really great self-contained yeah. EPs like that one, or like the Arches of Loaf versus the Greatest of All Time, or right. Watery Domestic, the Pavement one. Yeah, there are tons of examples of that. Exactly, and I kind of and. I don't know. That gets into the whole idea of the of of the art of like releasing singles or releasing EPs or releasing LPs. And right. It makes that different, especially when some people are going to be listening to these albums as combos of other albums yeah. on a CD because people can put up to 80 minutes worth of shit on a CD. And so what happens to you know, that I think or yeah. singles or something like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you're onto something with that though, because I think that maybe has twisted the, the logic about like what constitutes an EP. Just the fact that like people can't, could have done that, like put that on like a burned CD, like the slates EP with other stuff. And so in their head, yeah. they start thinking of it as an album or just like, um, like having it like on a mass market CD, like how, uh, when they released, um, Surfer Rose on CD for the first time. It came with the Come On Pilgrim EP tacked onto the end of it. That's right. So, yeah, I think, there's, I think there might be something to do with that. And I know some of the guys' argument about the Tribe Called Quest thing was because, you know, 
so many artists at that time, and especially hip hop artists, were like, "Oh, you can put eighty minutes on one CD. Well, we're just going to try to pack this thing full of this every, every second. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. do seventy-four minutes with skits and just all sorts of stuff. And oh yeah, totally. Nine times out of ten, it was like, "Oh, you could have trimmed so much of this away and just had just one good." That was a mindset, in especially the nineties. Yeah, I, mean, I know the band I was in put out at least one album where it was just like we recorded a whole bunch of stuff yeah and we didn't even put everything on it we were just like no make it 74 minutes worth of stuff as much as right right that's what we did that's what you did Um, and i I kind of admire that just like the the, you know utilizing the technology to your advantage and just putting as much stuff out as you can but it's also can be a drain to listen to yeah yeah (laughs) no it is it is totally and i i understand that now i've gone gone back the other way yeah uh but at the time it seemed like a cool thing oh to sure do. uh <laughs> and i think and i think that's that's the thing that that so many i'm not, I'm not gonna be all boomer about it or anything. no no Go ahead. <laughs> that's the thing I, I i have always long appreciated about uh british artists from the 70s on because the single kind of fell by the wayside here in the states yeah like singles and eps they got released as present indie labels, but like they, you know, they didn't get the traction that albums did. And I know people who collect records that just completely ignore like 45s and seven inch singles because they don't care about them. They're mm-hmm. just like, oh, I want the album. Like I, I kind of get that. But what I love, what I love about England is is that is I think it's the record collector and me. I'm like, oh, there's these there's like these standalone singles with just these songs and right. they're not on the record, you know. And I like that, and I like that that you know these artists feel like compelled uh, not compelled might be the right word they feel like just you know like oh we've got two really great songs let's put them out on this 45 and sort of keep people keep our name out there and keep the band's music out there rather than just like waiting three years to have a full album's worth of stuff you know what i mean yeah 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 Yeah. no i think that well and then you know i don't know just the single idea of uh not singular but actual single seven inch yeah (laughs) um of putting like your greatest song on a seven inch or a yeah. single and then releasing it with a B-side that is you fucking around in the studio or, <laughs> or a cover, you know what I mean? Right. Like I, that's such a, it's a great idea. Oh yeah. And I, I'm always sad that that became like, especially in the eighties and nineties, like the single, the yeah. remixes of the single. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah, the CD single era is a weird, weird yeah, stretch of time. I used to have, and I, there was that short amount of time where the cuss single, and I had a box of those at some point that I don't have anymore. What single? Cuss single. The cassette single. Oh, the cuss single. Yes, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, sorry. I, yeah. No, no, no. I missed. I just didn't. I, yeah. I, I thought you said. I thought you were talking about the band Cud for some reason. I'm like, what? I why did you bring those guys up? That's weird. Okay. Cud was awesome. Yeah, yeah, but know, yeah, because yeah. yeah, cassette singles were definitely a thing that I would buy a lot because they were inexpensive. You know, for a young broke kid in a small yeah, town, exactly. I'm like, oh, this is a great way to have music. Exactly. And just listen to the same two songs over and over right, and right. over again. But they, but yeah, but sometimes they could make them into an EP or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It, was, it was it was a nice little thing. Yeah. Um. So I had I used like I said I used to have a box of those and i have no idea where they are now <laughs> but i i also like i i still like seven inch singles I mean, i'm I don't a big have fan still yeah as, as i do lps or whatever but sure uh but yeah still fan um i'm surprised i'm just i'm kind of surprised cassette singles haven't made it come back in some sort of 
or maybe they have and I just don't care. I know, <laughs> I know some, I know cassettes have, but it's mostly just like you know an album being re being released yeah. on cassette at the same time. It's is, more like, like, like a. Best I always hear that, but the band I'm in, we had a cassette, and I don't know of anyone who's ever bought a cassette from us. Like when we go play shows, like oh yeah, and yeah. we're not like a noise band. But we are kind of weirdo bands. Yeah, so and I thought, yeah, you would you guys think are, that that community would like that, but I absolutely, I don't. Maybe they're just always too poor to buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, but it is a really cost-effective way to get your music out there too these days. Because yeah, you know, yeah, no, I, totally, I'm uh, not, yeah. yeah, no, because I was just at a show. I was just seeing the Deerhoof show on Friday. I think it was, yeah, Friday when oh, that right, show right. happened, and you know, the opening acts, uh, one of the opening acts, like had albums for twenty-five bucks, and then they had cassettes for five. It's like, yeah. well, you know. For you know, fourteen-year-olds who are there for the show, they're gonna the five bucks. That's a great deal, yeah. you know. So no, I we I still sell CDs at five bucks. Yeah, right absolutely. It's just like who the fuck cares? Man? No <laughs> one's. I don't know. I'm I'm always a little aghast by people who are like I just don't have a CD player. I'm like, why would you do that to yourself and limit to yourself? Yeah, no kidding. Yourself? Like, you know which music was released on a cd over those 20 years absolutely and some of it has not been pressed to vinyl since no. or before and you know this is the only way you can get it and exactly it's that that era in the 90s when everybody was just releasing cds yeah you gotta yeah cd box sets i still have a ton of cd box sets at home just because oh yeah that's no, what totally. happened too. yeah that's how i have the um anthology of american Folk. Yeah, there you go. See, I'm sure many people are going to be like, "Oh no, you need it on the vinyl." You need the Mississippi Records uh, re-release of that. It was made <laughs> from needle drops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. And to that, I say, do you read your books on vellum? No. <laughs> <laughs> Stone tablature. Uh, yeah, you know, I think the last one I got though, the, as far as CDs, was actually the fall one, the, the another set of ten, like that live. Right. Set. Oh yeah, yeah. That was. Some of them were great. A lot of them sound like garbage, and so, mm. but hey, now I've got it. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. So saith the record collectors, who I yeah. know a lot of you are listening right now. The, I know. The, the two people are still listening right I, now. I still buy tons of CDs. So yeah, I do too. If I, I see them out there inexpensively, I'll just They're super grab cheap. Them. That was the reason I was buying vinyl in the 90s. Yes. Because everybody was getting rid of their vinyl, and yep. it's like, I will take this whatever album for $2. Yeah. <laughs> I still have like a good few records that i bought at like a mall chain record store that was like we're marking down all these records because we just want rid of them because it's all cds all right. the time no one's gonna buy these records anymore yeah <laughs> and so i still have like these like the first three of the Ryko disc bowie reissues on uh, vinyl because they were it was like six dollars a piece or less at the store yeah. and i was like well okay and so now they're worth so much more like at least eight dollars i know well I every every once in a while when I go through looking at my records, yeah, and I and I still have a price tag on something like a Yola Tango first run album that cost me eight dollars. Yeah, to go on Discogs is like over a hundred. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> take that society. I know. <laughs> anyway, sorry for the lame. Uh, no, that's why people jack. listen to this. That's why people listen to this podcast. Is you know, they listen to it, Bob. I think there's. You said three people are listening to this right now. Oh, right. Our three number one fans, and my mom's not one of them, which is weird. I've been writing her, telling her to listen. To I appreciate that. You, my mom really appreciates that. You know? <laughs> All right. All right. Well, there you go. 
Smile, everybody. Smile. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> Down. Down. Down.